Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Chief Compton and the boys coming to the rescue. Don't you wish God's rescue of us was that obvious? That there was a siren or a, somebody grab us and say, let's go this way. Um, sometimes it is. But oftentimes, God's rescue sounds like this. Instead of like this, he's saying his Holy Spirit will say to speak to us silently or softly, come over this way, this way. Instead of, hey, where are you going? Get back over here. It's, uh, sometimes it's situational with us as to how God speaks, how he works, how we experience his rescue. Sometimes his, we open this book and it shouts at us. Sometimes we open this book and, and we search and search and we finally... There it is. Um, regardless of what the method is, each of us from time to time in our life are going to need rescue, and he is there to rescue, as I shared with you last week. It is seldom, if ever, as quick as we'd like. It is seldom, as ever, if ever, the way that we'd like. But he is there to rescue. Turn, if you will, in your Bible to Second Peter chapter 2. We're going to look today, we looked last week at God's rescue from myself, going to look today at God's rescue, rescue from trials, and he speaks to that in this text. Chapter 2 of Second Peter, verses 4 through 9. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. Now, four things today I want us to glean from this text together about God's rescue. God rescues us, first of all, from rebellion. Look at verse 4. Rescues us from rebellion. If God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment, he did not spare those angels when they sinned. Now, this verse is in reference to Satan himself, who was an angel before he was cast out of heaven, an angel named Lucifer, uh, meaning the son of the morning. We find that story in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. And he was cast out because he thought himself equal with God, having equal authority, trying to round up uh, cohorts to, to take over uh, heaven with him. And so this, his, his 
seeing himself as equal to God, tells us that the message here is clearly one of rebellion and of God's ability to rescue us from it. We may not verbally say that we think we're equal to God, but when we're when we don't acknowledge him at all and, and who we're going to date, who we're going to marry, where we're going to work, where we're going to live, uh, what we're going to do with our life, what we're going to do with our, our time, our talent, our money. When we don't give him free reign of that in our life, we're saying to him in, in essence silently, I'm either equal to you or better than you. If, we're, if we call ourselves believers and, we, and we, we're doing that indirectly, those decisions are made without his consult, without his will, without seeking his, his plan, his purpose for our life, we're clearly putting ourselves in an e on equal position, equal platform with God and his authority. And my friend, that's clear rebellion on, on your part and my part. We don't set out for it to be that way, but it is. Here's the point, though. There's rescue from rebellion. He's there to rescue us. Secondly, not only does God rescue us from rebellion, but he rescues us from disobedience. Look at verse 5. From disobedience, if he, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he did not spare the ancient world, but protected Noah. And the reference here is that the ancient world were clearly ungodly. In fact, uh, Genesis 6 tells us that God says he was sorry that he even made man. Uh, this, is, this is after creation and before the flood when man got into a great deal of sin and, and, and self-grandizement, God says he was sorry he made men at all. This is a reference to their being ungodly implies that they knew better, but they chose, made a conscious and, and clear choice to, 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 to be disobedient on top of what they knew. It was willful disobedience. Uh, and then this, here in steps, uh, steps Noah into this scene, into this story, uh, not just a righteous man, but the only righteous man alive at the time. And God comes to his rescue by giving him a mission and giving him a message. In essence, God was making Noah kind of part of his own, his own rescue and the rescue of his family by giving, them, or giving him a set of plans and a story and a sermon. And with that set of plans and story and sermon, uh, he, he's, Noah goes on to tell people to repent. That judgment is coming. What are you building, Noah? Here's a boat. I mean, it's a boat. Here's the plans. Here's what God told me to do. It's time to repent. Uh, God clearly gave him a message and a mission by stepping into that. He, he was obedient to it. He'll often do those same things with us to get our attention through our circumstances, through, uh, get our attention uh, by pointing us, hopefully, off of our own struggles, off of our own trials, off of our own situation, and getting our minds and hearts focused on someone else, uh, someone who, is, who needs to be reached by our story. I'll t say a little more about this in just a moment, but God has a plan and purpose for your life, and part of that plan and purpose sometimes involves trials. In fact, seldom does it not. Seldom does your life not include some, some bit by design on, on God's part. Seldom does it not include some hard places, some valleys, so that you can see what God is up to in the valley and have a story to tell on the mountain. And not just on the mountain, but in the valley. We'll talk more about that in just a minute as well. But he rescues us from rebellion and rescues us from disobedience. Thirdly, God rescues us from condemnation. He rescues us from condemnation. Verse 6 says, if, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly. 
of course, goes on to rescue Lot. But he condemns the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah here. The scripture says, making them an example uh, so that you and I can go back and read what's going on. In large part, he did that because Sodom and Gomorrah was a sewer of immorality, of, of homosexuality, of perversion. And make no mistake, that story is still relevant to, to our day, in this day. Uh, it's, it's to be learned from and, and to be heeded. When immorality and perversion don't miss us, when immorality and perversion are rampant, condemnation's on the way. And God's condemnation, I fear, of our nation is on the way as well. Um, because we can't continue to walk the direction we're walking and not. Lot is the only righteous man in the city. Uh, he was rescued by God from that perversion and, 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 in fact, loses his wife in the process of that. If you know the story, God tells him to get up and pack up and leave. Don't ever turn back and look back. Just keep walking. And they get a distance from the city. Lot's wife turns and looks back at the city. He's turned into a pillar of salt. Lot sees that happen beside him and just keeps booking. That's what I would do too. Um, but God was serious about his condemnation of, of, of that kind of perversion. It's, uh, and it, it is to be uh, learned from. That, that, that's, that sense of what's, what God is going to do, what, what he's up to, is a following a plan of his. To, to, to say, and he tells Lot the story, Lot, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to burn up the whole city. In fact, not one stone's going to be standing on another. It's going to be, I'm going to totally annihilate the city. And here's what's going to happen. Here's when it's going to happen. Here's why you need, why and when you need to get up and go and leave. When we see the plans of God shared with us, we need to be obedient to them and step into them. Because, as I said, uh, especially if, if there is condemnation uh, waiting on us, the, the plans of God are always going to find themselves to, to fulfillment. I've shared this with you before, but listen to Isaiah chapter 46, verses 10 and 11. God says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. What I have said, that I will bring about. and What I have planned, that I will do. He is going to do what he planned to do with us, around us, in our culture and in our world. And if he's, if he's giving us an opportunity for deliverance from it, we need to move on that opportunity or we'll experience his condemnation as well. There, is, there was clear perversion going on here in, in Sodom and, and Gomorrah, and there is clear perversion going on in our world and in our, in our culture. Um, as Ruth Graham said years ago, if God did not spare Sodom and Gomorrah, and if God spares, does not spare, and does not judge the United States of America, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. And I believe that's absolutely true because I believe where we're headed as a culture is in a perverse direction. When your third grader, your fourth grader are coming home asking you questions about their sexual identity, uh, whether, whether they need to transgender to another sex, we're in a, we're in a society of perversion. That's it. And that's occurring. And you and I need to take a stand as believers uh, against that kind of perversion because we are, uh, again, heading in a per perverse direction as a culture, not only in academia, but in society as well. So there's a lot of similarities between Sodom and Gomorrah. Yet, 
there is rescue for condemnation. And we can find it at, at, at every turn if we'll look. Apart from the cross, condemnation is waiting every one of us. But because of the cross, you and I can stand free. When others stand condemned, rescue is offered to every one of us by way of the cross. Finally, God rescues us from rebellion. He rescues us from disobedience and from condemnation. But finally, God rescues us from trials. Look at verse 9. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials. Verse 9 starts like an algebra class. Algebra, I hated algebra. Some of you may have loved it. But I, I, I took algebra one only because I had to have it. I think I made about a C or so in there. And uh, it, it just didn't make sense to me. If it makes sense to you, I'm all for you. Love it. Go study it all you want to. But this whole idea of if this is true, then this has to be true as well. And I, I get the, the process of how equations work. But that's what he's saying here. If these things are true, then this is also true. And if that's true, and here's the truth. Here's the response, the natural response to that. So he, he, Peter paints this story kind of in the form of a mathematical equation to say, if God has done that, then he can rescue you. If God can rescue and redeem that, he can rescue and redeem any story, any stumble, any, any hard place, any dark place in your life, regardless of what it is. He's saying here that the evidence is that God isn't just capable of rescuing his own, but that's the very nature of who he is. He is a God of rescue, and that's what he does because of who he is. It's not a sideline for him. It's by design of, who, of, his, of his very nature. He's also clearly saying here that trials of rebellion and trials of disobedience and trials of condemnation are added to a long list of trials. Those aren't the only trials that God delivers from. These are examples that Peter gives us here in, in this text. But there, there are there are many more trials, all of which he can and does rescue his children from. And notice also that it doesn't stop at rescue in verse 9. But he, he, he says he's going to hold accountable those who have wronged you in the day of judgment. There's a judgment coming. And it's going to be swift and severe. And if you've been wronged and you're still wondering, does God see it? Does he know it? Yes, he does. And he does. And he does. And it it, it, will there be a reckoning? Will there be an accountability one of these days? Yes, there will. It's not going to be soon enough for you. In fact, it may not even be in this life at all. But it, it, it will come. It will occur on the day of judgment when, when the day of reckoning comes. And that will complete this process of rescue for us, as he's saying in verse 9. To say, I'm not only going to pull you from the pit. I'm going to make those who put you in the pit accountable for putting you there. I, I'm good for that. You can trust me for it. Well, last week we talked about being rescued from ourselves and how oftentimes a great deal of our problem is learning how to get out of our own way. Such that your problem and my problem is, my, most of my problem, friend, is me. If you're, if you're honest with yourself, most of your problem is you. But not always. Sometimes there are things that come into your life that you didn't ask for, you didn't see coming, you didn't, if, if you had rounded the bend a little earlier, you might have seen, seen some some deliverance and would have run in the other direction. And there are circumstances beyond your control sometimes that step into your life and create some oppression, create some trial, create some, some, some difficulty, a hard place for you. What I want you to hear is God sees that. He knows about it and is there to rescue. 
as we wrap, I want to remind you of a couple of things. There is no trial that God cannot rescue you from. None. There's no trial you're in, have ever been in, that is beyond God's ability to rescue, regardless of what it is, regardless of who caused it, whether it was you or someone else, regardless of what the circumstances are, whether they, that's self, you brought that on yourself, or circumstances that came beyond your control, doesn't matter. There is no trial, hear this, that God cannot rescue you from. None. And I want you to hear this as well. If you're still there and you haven't been rescued yet, if you haven't been rescued yet, you're not a victim of God's wrath. There is design to what you're going through. If you're still in the pit, you're st if you're still in the middle of a trial and you think, you say, Tim, this has been going on months, years in my life, and I, I've not seen or experienced God's rescue yet, I'm going to tell you, God is up to something. He's always up, up to something. And as, as I've said before, your trial is seldom, if ever, just about you. So if you're still there, you've been hanging on, you've been waiting for God, you've been waiting for the siren to turn the corner and God to say, let's go, let's, let's head in this direction. You're wondering if that's ever going to occur. If you're still there, there's one, two reasons in play. One is this, don't miss this, is that God still has something for you to learn. You've not seen the whole story yet. He still has something for you to learn while you're there or there's something for, for someone else to see. Because your trial, your hard place, your valley is seldom, if ever, just about you. Don't miss that. It's seldom, if ever, just about you. But it's about your story of your faithfulness in the midst of a hard place and the way that story plays into the lives of others around you. God is up to something in you and always is up to something through you. So your trial, your hard place is never, ever just, just about you. It is about you. There are some things he wants you to learn about yourself about him, about the nature of who he is. But there's always others in play. There's always others to be, to be reached. There's always others standing around the periphery of your life looking from the outside in to say, man, how can he stay faithful in that? I mean, he's, he's a decade into this hard place, or he's months into this hard place, and he's still walking with God. He's still praising the Lord. He's still singing his praises. He's still worshiping. He's still in church. He's still... How in the world can he do that? I mean, that kind of story, is, it, it has a ripple effect in people's lives around us. And it, that's by the, the design of God. He wants your trial, your hard place, your, your, your pit, your dark place to speak to someone else. It's seldom, if ever, just about you. So what do I do? Hold on. Hold on. As I said earlier, rescue's coming. It may not be as quick as you'd like or in the way you'd like. But rescue is coming. God is good to rescue when he's through with us, when we've gotten the lesson and when those around us have seen what he wants them to see, what, that our lesson has told the story that God wants it to tell, then he steps in to rescue. Sometimes, like I said, it may be, hey, hey, let's go. Sometimes it may be, let's go this way. Come with me. But he's faithful to rescue. Let's pray. Father, would you help our spiritual ears to hear your voice, to trust your, your, your plan, to trust your process for us to where you see further than we can see. You see around every corner that we're about to go around in life and, and for the next 20, 30, 50, 100 years. You understand the impact and the ripple effect in our lives into the lives of others. And so, because that's true, we need to trust you and your process.
about walking through a hard place, walking through a trial, to see that you have good, not only for us, but glory for yourself, and oftentimes a lesson in the life of someone around us. Would you teach us today that your word is always ever relevant, that there's nothing new under the sun, whether we think our, our problems are unique to us, they're not. They've been dealt with since the beginning of time. Maybe the circumstances are a little different, but the outcomes are often the same of pushing us toward you or pushing us away from you. And the enemy is always in play with that, wanting to lie to us, wanting, to, wanting us to question, where's your God? Where is he? Is he, is he even aware anymore that how, 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 how much your life is in a hard place? Does he even care that you're still in the pit? Where's your God? You're there. You're walking with us every step of the way. And rescue is going to come when you're ready, when we've completed the task and those around us have heard the story. Teach those things to us. Teach us to walk in faith that you're in charge. You see what's best for us. Help us not only to love you in the process, but love the process of what you're doing as well. Knowing there's some refinement going on. There's some shaping and molding going on that we need that only you can do. Let us hear you and heed your word and trust you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ. 